African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us for a new week of African Dialogue. We're already in the second month of 2019. Thank you for joining us right here on uh, African Dialogue. you with me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'll be your host in the next hour. Remember, we're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And don't forget that you can join us uh, on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. And uh, is another way that you you can listen to us via our DSTV facility. That's you listening to us on that audio bouquet channel 802 on DSTV in South Africa and some side of country who have that particular facility. Well, uh, today we're going to be looking at a story which is a follow-up uh, to the State of the Nation address last week uh, by President Cyril Ramaphosa. And uh, the big story in South Africa is the fact that he committed to a number of structural reforms for the country's electricity public utility ESCOM. He said that ESCOM would be unbundled into three separate entities, namely generation, transmission and distribution. President Ramaphosa's utterances come three months away from South Africa's elections in May and at a time when the power utility is facing a major financial and governance crisis. In November, ESCOM forecasted a loss of 15 billion rands, South African rands, for the 2018 to 2019 financial year with a further loss of 19.7 billion rents forecast for 2019 to 2020. The big question is what is this plan and what does this mean if you're going to actually unbundle a certain parts of the public utility? There are those who claim that uh, this is actually a precursor uh, to the privatization of the electricity uh, public utility. Uh, well, we're going to uh, get the in-story from some of our guests today. We've got Happy Kambule, who's a Greenpeace Africa political advisor. And also on the line, we've got Kosnati Manchancha, who's a deputy editor at Financial Med. Let me start this conversation with you, Sikonati. Thank you for giving us your time. Good morning, and uh, thank you indeed for uh, offering me this opportunity. The name is Sikonati Manjanta. Sure. Sikonati, let's look at that particular issue that you ha- you we're looking today, this announcement of unbundling, because a lot of people say, well, we could see a, some form of... Uh, uh, privatization of sorts here. Do we really understand what the president of the country was highlighting here when he was speaking about uh, unbundling? What Cyril Ramaphosa said was that ESCOM will be broken up into three units, all of them 100% owned by ESCOM, which is 100% owned by the state. That is where we are at this stage. Basically, you are, you are dividing this into three separate companies with uh, with each company having its own board accountable uh, indeed to the minister of, of, of public enterprises and each uh, each company having its management unit accountable to the board uh, all of them let's repeat 
as things stand and as the president announced, all of them 100% owned by the state. That's what it is at the moment. Mm. And does this actually change the factors that ESCOM is really in a troubled situation? I just read the financial uh, loss, 15 billion rands for the 2018-2000 financial year. Um, what does this unbundling do for the financial uh, crisis that uh, ESCOM is in right now, Sikonati? On its own, developing or, or separating the company into three separate companies does not change uh, the status of the uh, of its finances. Mm. What that does do is that it it, it separates uh, it isolates each and every company. So you will have a generation company that owns the power stations and is responsible for the operation. Then you can look and see where the problems are at power station level because that's that, that's what the company will be doing. What uh, wh- where are the cost problems there? Which part? needs to be to be to be attacked uh, you will that, that will happen at power station level mm-hmm. for the for the for the generation company then you that company on its own can be able to deal with uh, with whatever problems that may arise there and the same will go for distribution and indeed transmission uh, it basically isolates uh, the problem so that the management is responsible for that company can directly tackle that problem On its own, let's repeat again, just the separation of the companies on its own does not change the facts on the ground. Uh, What it does, it gives uh, an opportunity to management dedicated and to specialize in that uh, business uh, unit. Okay, let me come to Happy Kambule, who I introduced as Greenpeace Africa political advisor. Happy, what are your thoughts here? Because as uh, Sikonati is highlighting there, it seems like there's going to be a decentralization of the management structures within ESCOM. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and good morning to all the listeners. Um, well, there's nothing that I could actually challenge on what um, has been said already, other than the fact that if ESCOM doesn't change uh, its business model, the, the model of basically burning coal to which end, the situation is still going to remain the same. Because inherently the problems that ESCOM would were normally said to be personnel um, and then now we're saying that there's structural problems but also there's a business model problem and even if you do decentralized management as well as the governance structures if you are doing a thing that is irrelevant and or just a cash uh, training activity you are basically redoing what uh, led you to the problem so in our understanding is that as much as this is a good step towards isolating the liabilities as well as the problems and the debt that is um, filled, that has filled ESCOM you need to also look at how the business model needs to change meaning that you need to look at doing different things in order to get that electricity. And the president in the sauna indicated that renewable energy is one of the things that the uh, country will be looking towards or ESCOM will be looking to work further on. Mm. But I don't know if this is actually going to actually change why ESCOM finds itself in this particular situation, um, Happy, because 
somewhere, somewhere there is a management discrepancy, there is a problems around procurement procedures within ASCOM, and also its um, uh, diversity makeup on how they generate uh, electricity seems to be something that they're not transforming quick enough. So how is the sun bundling going to change these problems because they seem to be intact? You still have the same management. You still have uh, little done to change those procurement processes within ESCOM. And also another issue is uh, uh, that energy mix that we're always talking about uh, is not uh, happening quick enough. So the, the, the number of issues um, that are influencing ESCOM, other than the fact that they've got so much debt and also the issues around the governance. It's also about how they collect money, the revenue collection scheme, mm. the relationship they have with the regulator in order to determine the tariffs between transmission distribution as well as generation. Mm. So being able to, uh, to decentralize or rather unbundle those three aspects will start to change the nature in which they're able to determine what funds are necessary from the consumer in order to continue their business. That's the one side. The second part of this is that, as you said, with the energy mix, the energy mix is not necessarily determined by the power utility. It's determined by the Department of Environmental Affairs, I mean, sorry, the Department of, of Energy and through the consultation process or through the integrated resource plan. Until that is decided and until we have a much more stronger policy that informs the IRP, the integrated resource plan, we're not necessarily sure what's going to happen with the energy mix. So what the president was basically communicating is an intention and a commitment to further working on renewable energy. But until the integrated resource plan is dealt with and finalized, we won't have a, a, a true reflection of what needs to happen and where infrastructure investment is going to go to. But lastly, the, the, the issues around ESCOM's previous governance issues mm-hmm. need to be dealt with, and then there needs to be a signal broadly, even beyond South Africa, that there is confidence in what the, the idea of unbundling is, meaning that there needs to be accountability of what had happened, and there needs to be more checks and balances that are set up in order that those things don't happen again. And then if there are irregularities that have been spotted, that there is some form of compliance and enforcement. So if we do have some level of confidence in the fact that unbundling is going to lead to a much more stronger governance as well as a diversified mix, as well as making sure that revenue is collected in the right way, I think we then be able to participate in the electricity sector in a much more fruitful and much more uh, open way. Mm. Sikonati, what are your thoughts here, especially for the governance of ESCOM, people being accountable for some of the actions we've seen historically? What are your thoughts around that? Do you think this unbundling will change that particular element, the fact that no one has been held accountable for these losses, the lack of innovation even within the management structures of ESCOM? No, no, the, the unbundling on its own, I repeat again, changes nothing about ESCOM mm. that we know. So, uh, the, the, the fact, ESCOM uh, at holding level, what it has done at this point is uh, fire those people uh, that have been found to have acted illegally, so. uh, that, that, that have stolen uh, money in the organization. I'm using deliberately the term stolen because mm. that's what uh, that's exactly what has happened. So those have been fired. The law enforcement agencies. So ESCOM has laid uh, charges uh, of corruption and theft, uh, amongst others, uh, against McKinsey and and a lot of the about 11 executives uh, in in the organisation, uh, and and it has indeed uh, removed about 200 people, fired 200 people, 
since uh, in the past year. What has not happened to the accountability we are talking about is uh, criminal action because uh, in this country only the state can prosecute uh, uh, crimes. Uh, ESCOM can only make attempts to recover money in a civil in a civil uh, suit. That has not yet happened. So the, uh, separating the company into three separate companies does not change those facts. It's the police's job to uh, and the prosecutors to go after those people. Uh, what this will do, the, 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 the breaking down of ESCOM into three units, what it will do will improve or is designed to improve operations in the company. And we do know that uh, the uh, Cyril Ramaphosa has already said uh, the state will uh, help ESCOM out financially. We know that ESCOM is asking for 100 billion rent uh, in new money from the shareholder. Uh, the, the, the question is where, uh, of those three companies, which one uh, will, will, be, will be settled with uh, uh, the 420 billion rand of debt that is outstanding at this point, and, and how that, uh, let's say they get the 100 billion rand they're asking for, how that will be uh, broken down, or which of the three units will get the money. Uh, that, 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 that's, that, that's where we are at this point. And the governance that, that my, 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 my fellow guest is talking about, the governance processes uh, will then again devolve into three separate companies. What has not happened is prosecution by the police mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the, the National Prosecuting Authority. Uh, the, the hope is that uh, the, the, the government, which remains the shareholder, will introduce private shareholders uh, which is what people are fearing. Uh, well, uh, let, let's, let's repeat this. The leftist people mm-hmm. and trade unions sure. are fearing will happen. But that's exactly what ESCOM needs. For the past 95 years, it has been owned and, and governed uh, and, and indeed managed by the state, and it has done a, a miserable job of it. What we do need now is to, is to introduce investors who will demand proper governance, who will demand uh, proper returns on their investment. That's what this country needs. That's what the organization Mm -hmm. needs. Well, that's uh, the voice there of uh, Sikonati Manchancha there, who is the deputy editor of Financial Mail. I'm also joined by Happy Kambule, who's Greenpeace Africa political advisor. And today we're looking at uh, ESCOM, which is uh, South Africa's uh, power utility. Uh, the president of South Africa, Sir Ramaphosa, last week announced that it will be separated into three entities, generation, transmission and distribution. We discussing how that could look like. Maybe when we come back, we'll look at those particular concerns of privatization. One of ministers, before we heard this announcement, was highlighting the possibility of privatizing parts of ESCOM. Uh, could this be a precursor? I know that uh, Asikonati dismissed that allegation, but we could discuss the uh, that particular issue. And also, as was highlighted by Sikonati as well, uh, the fact that the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa have rejected Rejected Ramaphosa's plans. We could also just look into what those fears are, and we'll do that after this break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. 
Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various platform. Remember, Channel Africa is South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV in South Africa and other SEDEC countries that have the channel, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And internationally, you can listen to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. And our shortwave service into sub-Saharan Africa is on the free frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to southern africa i'm benjamin mushatta i'm not alone in this uh, this topic today i've got happy kambule greenpeace africa political advisor sikonati manjanja who's the deputy editor at financial mail he's been following a lot of stories around as broke uh, some of the stories himself around this particular big issue so we're going to be looking at what it means what we heard from the sauna which is the state of the nation Dress last week in South Africa and the big story that came out was the fact that we're going to see um, ESCOM being actually separated into three entities and as I mentioned and when we started the uh, show and uh, before the break that's generation, transmission and distribution but there seems to be a lot of people Sikonati who are on the left as you highlighted afraid of uh, job losses in this regard some are alluding to the fact that uh, we could see some form of privatization after uh, this particular separation of these particular entities. I know Public Enterprise Minister Pravin Godan had earlier announced uh, last year that there were no plans uh, to actually uh, privatize uh, the cash-strapped ESCOM. Why do you think this has become a central issue, the issue of privatization? Where does it come from? It comes from uh, the fear of trade unions who think uh, everything must be owned and operated by the state because uh, private uh, investors really are disciplined and uh, about 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 their returns on their investment now that that, that of course uh, doesn't sit very well uh, with, uh, with with people who work at escom there's 40 7,000 people there when there should be only about 30, 31,000 people that work in that organization. So they, they, they fear indeed that if, if, if private investors come in, they will demand a return on their investment. And that starts by reducing costs. As, as we have said on many occasions in Business Day and the financial name, what ESCOM does need is, is to lower the cost because the 47,000 people that are in its books at this moment produce exactly the same amount of electricity that 31,000 people produced in 2007. So there is absolutely no need to have uh, this many employees 
And if you introduce private investors into the company, they will tackle the problem. Now, trade unions are in alliance with the ruling party in South Africa, and they, uh, they, they think and they do indeed have the ability to derail those plans. What they are trying to avoid is, is, to, is to lose members and for people to lose jobs at ESCOM. But that's exactly what we need to have to get the organization working again. And uh, Happy, what are your thoughts there around issues of job loss and issues of privatization? I know that we're ruling out privatization, but uh, uh, with IPPs being actually being introduced into uh, the uh, grid uh, mechanisms that could be used in the future, I know that process is also still taking a bit uh, long. Uh, what are your thoughts around uh, the privatization within ASCOM? Um, I think the, the the first thing is that we have to acknowledge that there has been a part privatization of the generation function of ESCOM sure. through the IPP process. Um, it might be different in the in the traditional sense of how it happens, but because of the fact that these are private players who are participating in what was the state-owned kind of function through ESCOM, makes it clear that the unions also have some form of uh, legitimacy for why they are they are worried. The second part is that, yes, so uh, does not mean that there would be um, privatization, not precluded. So their concerns are, are, are fair, and I think the biggest part of this is that there has been job losses that are occurring, and there is a change in the transformation in the global in the global electricity sector generally and how electricity has been produced through the diversification of generation sources. And that on its own changes the manner in which uh, employment is done at generation level and at plant level. It changes the dynamics of how unions can also uh, organize themselves because of the employment intensity uh, of the technologies that are being employed. So they've got legitimate concerns, but they haven't been able to communicate them in a, maybe in a forum or in a manner in which the, the government has been able to accommodate those. And maybe the other side of this is that there are, two, there are mainly two um, uh, schools of thought about this whole issue of unbundling and as well as the just transition concerning new technologies with the union. The one side is that as common the IPPs must participate and uh, be competitors at an equal level, at generation level. Uh, which is which is more or less the Kosatu and Noom uh, position, whereas the Noom's position, which is more, more which is the softer position, is saying that there should be no ITP. So even labor on its own is also divided about what it really means to have unfunding as well as having privatization or part privatization of, of the electricity sector and how we accommodate the job losses. But the job losses are already happening. We should be having some form of a just transition where the people who are mostly affected are accommodated in some way, but we're not having that conversation in a programmatic way. All we're having is polemics as well as rhetoric, which is trying to highlight the disparities of what's happening and what should be happening. You know, this announcement is very interesting. Uh, coming back to you, Sikonati, and uh, from my point of view is because this announcement comes uh, three months uh, before the elections and I've heard some commentators say that uh, some of the pointers that were brought out were a form of politicking from Sir Ramaphosa and a form of campaigning from his side but this announcement when it comes to ESCOM, how does it actually complicate uh, the stance that uh, the current ruling African National 
National Congress is taking in terms of uh, uh, maintaining uh, the current uh, job status quo. They say they want to save jobs, they want to create jobs so far. But it seems like when it comes to our state entities, a little bit has to be done for a sacrifice to come to some point, at some particular point. But there's a complexity here because of the promises that are being made uh, and on, on the political space. The, the, the first thing we, we all have to, to, to do is to avoid the temptation to, to, to bring politics into this decision. This is a business decision and it needs to remain that way. ESCOM mm. uh, has not been able to provide electricity reliably for the past, give it uh, since, since the first bout of, uh, of power rationing, which they call load shedding, go all the way back in 2007. Since then, uh, the, the economy has suffered. What needs to be done now is a, is a, is a decision to, to, to bring the company back to its full strength, and that is what is happening. We do not, unfortunately, have the luxury of time or to wait for the elections to pass before uh, decisions can be made. Mm. The government is a 100% shareholder, and it needs to start governing. It still it needs to start making uh, business decisions, and this is one such decision, mm. election or not. Okay, let me take one break and then when we come back, we'll have our final part of this particular conversation and we'll continue to look at the current problems that we're seeing. Just today, it's been spoken of load shedding will be implemented. I know it has been announced that uh, uh, the steel seems to be a problem when it comes to uh, the provision of coal when it, when it comes to ESCOM. I uh, know that uh, I'm looking at the uh, Zondo Commission right now and the screen could escom feature in that paradigm as well we know that escom paid more uh, than one billion rands to guptas that's an allegation that has been reported before in the media space we'll look at those particular themes as well when it comes to this uh, big public utility in south africa and the problems around that and maybe we'll wrap up the conversation Is this the way forward to separate entities and to make sure that there's a proper micromanagement in these various departments that have been set in place, which is generation, transmission and distribution? Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. 
You are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. From Monday to Thursday, we bring new experts to discuss the big subject matters on the African continent. Today, we're zooming into something within South Africa, which is uh, the country's uh, power, utility, and also the structural reforms we could see maybe in the next few months, hopefully before the elections, if uh, uh, something huge is going to take place to dramatically uh, change uh, the big problem, which is indebtedness within uh, ESCOM and as I mentioned uh, in November ESCOM forecasted a loss of 15 billion South African rands for the year 2018 and 2019 financial year. If you're just joining us now, uh, we have a great panel uh, today. We've got Happy Kambule Greenpeace Africa Political Advisor. We've got uh, Sikonati Manjanja who is the Deputy Editor of Financial Mail. It's uh, time uh, to look at uh, you know the nitty-gritties around uh, the, per- the the prevailing problems within ESCOM happy because just today it was announced that we'll see continued load shedding to be implemented and still I've been hearing reports of the fact that uh, uh, ESCOM is struggling with coal supply currently. Um, how do you turn this uh, big machine around because the economy of the country in itself is reliant on this uh, uh, state entity? Very big question, um, and I, I think we also need to just remember that it's not just the coal supply that's the problem, it's also the age of the power stations. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the power stations that we do have are really, really old, and some of the technology is obsolete, so we can't even replace half of the things, and if we could replace them, we just don't have the money. So the, the, the bailout that might be coming from, from government or rather that has been signaled by the president is really important. But firstly, we need to make the decision that the things that we can't fix, like the power stations, need to be retired in as soon as possible. But we need to also put in as much capacity as possible that will feed into the grid reliably. And I think Mr. Mdenda is perfectly correct to say that for quite some time we have had unreliable power supply and we've had frequent... uh, Quite the quality of supply that we've had has not been pretty good. So we need to retire the old power stations, which have obsolete technology, and we need to put in newer technologies which can provide power. The other side of this is that um, the unbundling does create, does give us an opportunity at the same time, because we're also discussing the small-scale embedded generation um, regulations where households and companies, as well as commerce buildings, as well as uh, industries, can start to generate their own power and be able to feed back into the grid. So that gives a much greater level of participation in order to balancing what is there. But right now, with the load shedding issue, is that we are probably going to start using a lot more gas uh, and diesel, which we've already been using far too much than we are supposed to. And if we can fix the issues at the Matuba power plant, the Kuber power plant, as well as the other Creel and, 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 and Komati, maybe we will be able to stave away uh, load shedding. But we really need to uh, uh, close down the old power stations, which are not giving us the reliable supply. And maybe that's the first step that we need to take. Mm. Um, Mr. Konati, let me come to you with the same question. What are your thoughts? It's absolutely correct that uh, the old power stations need to be retired, but at this point, unfortunately, that is not possible since ESCOM is not able to generate enough power. It only delivers about 74% of the electricity that its capacity allows uh, because, yes, of course, those power stations are, are broken down. But it has not done a good job 
in, in the building of the new ones. Because had the Midupi power station, for example, uh, half of it is already operational, but if that half is not delivering uh, to its maximum capacity of 2,400 megawatts, therefore you cannot retire uh, the, the old power stations that, 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 that are really inefficient. Uh, the, the unbundling needs to be uh, needs to to happen faster, in order for, for 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 everyone and for the economy, for private sector to to generate power and sell to uh, to, to South Africa. In that way, you take off the, a lot of the pressure from ESCOM, so they can start fixing what can be fixed, and indeed demolish uh, the, the the power stations that uh, that, that are uh, about 60 years old. We've got uh, four or five power stations that should have already been retired five years ago. Uh, imagine driving a 1972 car <laughs> at this point in time. That's what that's what exactly is happening. Uh, so that that needs to change. But uh, that can only happen when ASCOM is able to generate power from its existing power stations. At this point, they're talking about uh, coal shortages. This has been going on for at least three years when they when when they asked the Gupta family or when they awarded contracts to the Gupta family which could not deliver coal and, and they allowed the problem to spread to many other power stations instead of those two. So that needs to be fixed and, and with, with with the rainy season now in South Africa, in the eastern part of South Africa where electricity is generated, uh, coal is going to be wet again so there will be more power rationing uh, which which really means the economy will be suffering. Uh, unfortunately, there are no quick fix solutions, but ESCOM has not been doing itself many favors. Uh, this is a three-year-old problem. Try do that at a private company and not be able to solve a problem in your core business over three years. That company will be gone. Mm. All right. And, and you were talking about uh, the, the Gupta family. We know that there is a family that has been alleged to be one that has propelled this issue of state capture. We know the, the commission of inquiry into state capture is underway. Sikonati, do you think ESCOM will feature in the future within this commission? Uh, the next few weeks, ESCOM will have, uh, or, or the state-owned companies, and ESCOM is chief amongst those. Uh, the commission uh, has set aside at least two weeks uh, to deal only with uh, with ESCOM, Transnet, and the SAPC and South African Airways. So it will feature. It will be a big deal over over the next few weeks, and and all the the, the allegations of uh, of state capture and the, and the corruption and the fraud that has happened there will be ventilated at the commission. Give it mm-hmm. a, a week or two. How important is that process, Sikonati? Before I wrap up with happy. My, it's a very important uh, development for South Africa. My only complaint about it is that uh, people will go there, make speeches, uh, uh, present a lot of evidence of wrongdoing, accusing other people, which we have as the media over the past five years. They will be exposing everything, uh, or they will be confirming under oath everything we have stated over the past five years that that, that media in South Africa has, has really exposed the corruption under, under, under the government of Jacob Zuma. My only complaint about that process is that this is only a commission that will, at the end of the whole process, only give recommendations. No one will be found guilty and jailed as a result. There still needs to be a separate criminal process, which needs to be pursued by the very same police officers who have been turning a blind eye to, to corruption and the prosecutors that have been turning a blind eye to corruption over the past 10 years. So it, it, 
at the end of the whole uh, process, there will only be a list of recommendations and findings by the commission. Mm. There will still be nobody in jail. Mm. Happy, your final sentiments. I mean, there's a lot happening here. I mean, I know that it's issues of procurement that probably will feature more in this Zondo Commission when we see uh, state entities presenting their case uh, before the commission. What are your thoughts with that process, especially regarding to the ESCOM as a focus? Well, I mean, again, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree um, with what has just been said. Um, the most important thing, and I think we need to realize that it's not only South Africa that's watching this; it's also uh, uh, the international community to see exactly what happens. And in fact, in, in our social context, we need to build that trust between law enforcement as well as the government, and how the media is also perceived and how it does its job, because. As, as, as the process has been unfolding, at least through the state capture years, is that um, media has been attacked and civil society members have been attacked. But this commission needs to come out with something far more stronger that builds confidence and that creates the sense that there is accountability. But also, we have to remember that the, the participation of this irregular, uh, whether it's the Kupia families or whatever it is, whichever families that have been involved in these irregular um, activities and, um, well, crime, um, is not only now. It has been there for quite some time and we've been trying to deal with the mineral energy complex in South Africa, which is so much fraught and, and a little bit more pervasive. But through this process, I think it's accountability does happen, we'll build a lot more trust and we will be able to see that there is at least some form of action and accountability that comes out. And if that is the case, mm-hmm. I'm sure South Africa mm-hmm. can recover much more easily. Well, Jenks, thank you for giving us your time. It's a pleasure having you on our program. Thank you for giving us your thoughts and your analysis on the context of what's happening here when it comes to ESCOM. Thank you to Sikonati Manjanja, Deputy Editor at Financial Mail. Thank you to Happy Kambule, Greenpeace Africa Political Advisor. It's been a pleasure having you on our program. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you.